been a lovely journey through difficult times in Canada to backpack in with a suitcase and nylon clothes, as you said, riding stolen bikes, selling them to policemen, mm. traveling around the world, having challenges and being grateful. I think fundamentally the things that came out of that were deep gratitude for the experiences totally. and the skills you have. Hello and welcome to the most intelligent selection podcast, Gold Coast. I'm your host, Paul Collins. And over the past 20 years, I have had to learn a lot about personal development and success strategies to go from barely surviving to absolutely thriving. Now, it's time to give back to the people of the Gold Coast and who knows, maybe further afield. So, I'll be interviewing business owners, influencers, for want of a better word, and anyone with a voice and something positive to say so that we can help Gold Coasters and others increase their levels of success in all areas of their lives. Who knows, Stefan? Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the most intelligent selection podcast, Gold Coast. Today we have, let me reel off all of these titles, well-traveled civil engineer, mostly civil, artist, poet, English teacher, improv actor, fashion photographer, among other things, Stefan Randolph. Stefan, hello and welcome. Thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast when we bumped into each other on the street. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners, please, and then we can get into our conversation. I can. Thank you, first of all, for that introduction. That was <coughs> nicely filtered. <laughs> but yes, I'm basically Canadian-born Australian citizen. Absolutely delighted to be here. And a whole host of background information in terms of family and places I've lived and so on. I have been well-traveled because my basic goal in life at the end of high school was to understand as much as I could about the universe in which we live. So in as much as that's fairly comprehensive, I embarked on things that would, that would add to my experience mm-hmm. and that would answer some of those questions. It wasn't knowledge I was looking for. Hell, you can do that. Just Google it. Mm. But it was understanding how everything goes together, the sum total of knowledge across all all the perspective of university courses, those endeavors which we as human beings have undertaken. And probably one of the best influences has been British. You have to say that, don't you? Uh, you would like to think <coughs> so, but no, I real difficulties with social life. There's a whole host of anecdotes I have with regards to that, but here's one. Through most of high school, not to put too fine a point on it, I was raised with a fairly violent father. Oh, wow. Yeah, who had some difficulties controlling his temper and physical and so on. And when the physical violence ended, psychological abuse took over Mm -hmm. and demanded certain things of me, which made me fairly much a social outcast, I think, through most of school, high school and so on. So as a result, I probably didn't develop normally. What I did do, of course, was turn to, as you do, academics. So as a result, got into sciences, so on, which ultimately led, led me to engineering. So with that said, the positive side of that was that when I got away from the family and from his jurisdiction, the world turned out to be never as bad <laughs> as he had painted, never as hurt as much as I had been in the family and so on. So I just loved every place I went. <laughs> and the first place I traveled to at 20, was England. There you go. Why did you choose England? First stop, 
in a trip around Europe. Okay. And I thought I was going to bicycle around. Yeah. And little anecdote, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. I landed dead tired because I'd been to New York, get to Heathrow. I met a guy and said, well, no, what are you going to do here? Oh, I'm going to bicycle around Europe. <laughs> really? He said, I've got a bicycle. He said, I can sell you, you know, it's much cheaper. Bicycles are like 40, no, 40, 50, 60 quid. And I thought, he said, I'll sell it to you for 10. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I came back the next day, refreshed, got the bike, and I started riding it. And I realized I'm not even going to ride around London on this, never mind <laughs> around Europe. So I thought, it's quite possibly stolen. So I took it to a police station. And the cop said, okay, yeah, you can leave it here. How much did you pay for it? So I said, 10 pounds. And he, out of the goodness of his heart, reached in and gave me nine pounds back. Wow. He then said, if you'd been planning on traveling by bicycle, what are you going to do now? So I said, I have no idea. He said, have you thought about hitchhiking? No, never have. Mm -hmm. He said, look, if you go out to Oxbridge, stand on or just off the A40, if you're going to Oxford, stand there because I had a suitcase, not a backpack. In the hippie generation, I was like the squarest <laughs> and the nerdiest of all. And so with my suitcase and my short hair and polyester clothes, I stood on the sidewalk, the side of the road. And sure enough, 20 minutes later, I got a ride from lorry driver. But the third thing he'd said to me was, he said, I realize your name is Randolph. Try not to introduce yourself as, hi, I'm Randy. <laughs> and I had never heard that used as an adjective before. In any case, I put all of that in a letter. And in uh, 2019, when I hitchhiked around Europe, Scandinavia, again, 50 years after the first episode, yeah, wow. I thought, yeah, I thought that was wonderful that Very I was cool. able to do that. Thank God. And she has always been wonderful to me. So I... Put all of that in the letter and took it to the Chelsea police station when I arrived in London the second time. And I put on the letter that thanks to this constable, I'd had a fabulous trip. And from that point forward, I hitchhiked everywhere, Canada, Europe, mm -hmm. and so on, and always had great responses. Never got into trouble. I could have, but I was very fortunate. It was the best possible advice. I met so many people, so many unusual experiences. People, because they're only going to see you for a few hours while you're in yeah. the car, will tell you their deepest secrets because they don't care. They're never going to see you again. Wow. So it was a remarkable revelation of human character. And Would you suggest it now? It's a different time. Would you say, hey, go and go and, go and backpack? Well, it's only three years ago I did it. Mm. And you're quite right. There was nobody else on the road doing that. But if you carry a sign, and if you're male, I wouldn't suggest this for female backpackers. You are putting yourself at risk. Men are men. And I wasn't particularly worried about that. The only thing I did was, before I left, I contacted insurance companies. They said, you're 70? You're going to hitchhike? <laughs> no, we wouldn't even touch you. <laughs> and I was uninsured. And I said, I'm going to do this, but if... By some chance, there's extraordinary sums of money being constantly withdrawn. It means that I've been taken and they're holding me while I extract the money. You need to cut off the account. No withdrawals from anybody. And I will get in touch with you again if I'm released. If not, all that money goes to my wife, of course, because I don't make it. Where so, did you go? Where was it you went when you were 70? 
to possibly oh, yeah, no, England, accosted Ireland. by terrorists? Oh, oh, look, it's fairly widespread, I think. It's, yeah. it's not relegated to any one nation. No. You need only look at history to know that we are not squeaky clean. doesn't matter where we come from. Look at what we've done in Australia with the Aboriginals. No, that's right. What the British did to the Indians. When they, and so it goes. Uh, and how you know, lucky they are. Yeah, yes. Yeah, giving them tea and yes, education. I, yes. Oh, and Brazilians, I don't know if they've ever thanked you for the football. No, probably not. <laughs> but they bloody well should. They should. Yeah, they should let you win. I wonder how well sarcasm comes across on the, on this. But there you go. We'll it does find depend out, won't we? on the listening capabilities of the person who's on the other end, I guess. Anyway, had written all this down on a letter and taken it to Chelsea Police Station. And at the bottom I said... I vowed that if I ever returned to London, I would come back to the police department and I would give them 10 times the amount of money that the constable had given me. Mm -hmm. So enclosed is an envelope with 90 pounds. Cool. And so the woman at the reception took it upstairs. It's a big police station. And a little bit later, considerable time, another guy came down and he said, yeah, come with me. He took me up, introduced me to all their police staff, all the people who organize how many horse, horsemen should be out there for potential riots mm. or demonstrations, how many are required to control a crowd. And those people who, the administration people, I met the uh, speed drivers, the drivers who drive MPs, and prime minister yeah. and so on, and uh, the escape vehicles and so on. Wow. Took me down, showed me the particular cells for the drug addicts where they have to put them. They're all padded and something. And he was really good. But at the end, we had a little interview and he said, appreciate your generosity, but we can't accept it. We can't accept the money. Of course. And I said, even with a letter like this, which you'll have a copy, says why? No. Yeah. So I thought, fair enough. Thank you. So we signed it. Gave me a copy, and I have still have a copy of that. That's a pretty cool story, isn't it? Well, I thought you it's unbelievable. Were yeah, it is unbelievable. <laughs> there are good people in the world, and that's basically yeah. what I learned after leaving my family. <laughs> ah, wow! And I want to go back to what you said about your dad when you left the family and went overseas. The world wasn't as bad a place as he made out. Mm. It was something like that. Mm. That's right. So, could we boil it down? I know we shouldn't boil it down, but let's boil down that the stories you told you about the world the aggression the anger was it through fear of losing you in a sort of in a weird way and he wants to keep you safe I from the dangers of the world and so yeah. he's I'm, I'm not trying to no. paint a nice picture of how he behaved <laughs> of course but people have very bizarre reasons for the things that they do and it could be love i'm not saying that's what it is of course but if he's painted the picture of the world as terrible, it must be worse than what, how he's behaving. <laughs> so stay with me, son, because I'll look after you. Who knows? In his defense, he was in the Air Force and in the Navy. He was on a ship on the way to Japan when they dropped the bomb. So he actually never saw any real action. He had, right. however, trained in Spitfires in <coughs> southern England. Yeah. And so he was a pilot and quite proud of that. And I think basically his punishment and his violence, the idea behind that is I'm teaching you lessons so that you'll be able to face 
similar situations in the world. So yeah, I'm okay. thinking that might be okay, except that he added some other things. He would regularly say, I never wanted to be a buddy to my kids. Well, there was a long time. Mm-hmm. And there yeah. would become a point in which we've got to reach some sort of equality. But he never did that with his own father. So I could understand where he took that. He had a company. Can't hit your employees. My mother confessed to us that when they're on their honeymoon, he yelled at her. And she said, look, I don't like you yelling, but I understand it your way. But if you ever hit me, I'll walk. There was no way in the world he was going to be able to replace her. So he was very careful with her. My brother was brain damaged at birth, lack of oxygen. But the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. No one in the right mind would hurt him. Wow. And my sister, being a girl, you never hit girls. Basic rule for men. So I was the only one he could hit. So you got three times. I got, yeah, it was the whipping boy, I think, as they say. As a result of that, though, I uh, turned inward, obviously. So the best times I remember as a child were with my friends or mm. by myself. And uh, that eventuated into what I've become today. I can still entertain myself for long periods based on the chances I took and the experiences that they brought. I think the only word, the word I've said the most is wow. <clears throat> and Stefan, my question it was going to be, what has been the biggest challenge that you've faced so far? This is fundamentally mm, what mm, the podcast mm, is about. And mm. I think you maybe have just answered. I would suppose that surviving parental violence yes. would be pretty far up there. However, if you have something to top it, Biggest challenge? I don't think so. I think you've put your finger on it. That's quite right. Stefan, what would you say has been your biggest success? Which is quite the polar opposite to what we've just been talking about. Indeed. The biggest success, I think, would be the number of and the variation of experiences that I've packed into my short years. Mm. If Uh, you had to pick one. One. Gee. I think... Actually, painting. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Because I have absolutely no natural talent. No training, nothing. And I'd always tried to draw. Yeah. As a kid, my stuff just went in the garbage because the teachers would go somewhere else. They wouldn't let me study art in high school. Meaning, I was taught when I had to choose what I wanted to do, mm. choose subjects of technology and art and whatever it was mm. at high school, <laughs> the art teacher was guiding us. And she said, Paul, I. I, I imagine you won't be choosing art, right? <laughs> and I was going to. Oh, no. Yeah, cow. How debilitating. Uh, but, yeah, I think being able to paint. Well, you know, people ask, so how long did it take you to paint such and such, like some of the ones that were on the wall? Yeah. It took yeah, several beautiful. months to paint. Decades to learn how. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I, and the only talent that I think I have is persistence. I have never been a great engineer, but I persisted. I failed out my first year. Then went back a year later, and then when I tried the painting, everything looked like crap, and so when I kept trying, and finally it was like mistake. Oh, maybe. So by emulating or by copying paintings by the masters that I aspired to, I got somewhere with that, and that's really how it came about. They were only bad based on your judgment. Now they are good based on your judgment. So other people may think... What's this? Yeah. Tap on the yeah. wall. Yeah. Right? And that's decades of your work. But that's their opinion. That's and so who judges? The market judges. That's true. And before I put 
those paintings either up there or before that was in Imagine, I had taken one of those paintings to John Walsh, curator of the Art Center here on the coast. And he looked at it and he said, very engaging, uh, probably quite marketable. But he stopped short of calling it art. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not a trained artist. No, and I don't know. So in his professional opinion, it might be somewhere on the end. Of, but look, I was happy to accept those, that it was most marketable. And really indeed, nice. in 2008, I think, I took two of my paintings to Watling Gallery. And he said, okay, he said, I'll want them for six months. Put a little black frame around them and at either end of his gallery. And ten days later, he rang me and said, a guy's come in, he wants both of them. And sold for a total of $9,000. Good grief. Yeah. So I was, whoa, if that isn't a shot in the arm. Yeah. I thought I was lucky selling paintings for five, six hundred dollars <laughs> And they were Jackson Pollock. Yes. Yeah, that that was, I like that art. I tried doing that and people liked them. Yeah. And commissioned, if you can say that. Really? Said, oh, can you make one for me? And he said his friends thought he was crazy for paying me for it. But it, it wasn't particularly skillful. A friend of mine drew my wife and I mm-hmm. and my parents and it's almost picture perfect. Oh, it's amazing yes. and that's yes. skillful. That's someone with talent. Me that's right. dripping paint onto a cheap spotlight canvas doesn't take much skill. However, it depends on the desire. If somebody wants it, it's worth money, isn't it? If they don't, well, it's I worth I think it's more you. than that. Look, I came just to put you in the picture here. I first taught English in Japan. It was a game. For me, it was a game. Sure. It took me four weeks to get my ESL <laughs> and I treated it as a game and came back here and I thought, oh my God, it's actually a job. You can actually get a job in this. So I signed up with Imagine, still with that rather heathen attitude and the <laughs> four weeks of ESL not once did they cover any grammar whatsoever mm. so they didn't teach me anything. it wasn't until I met you that I realized this is a real job and that's the way you teach it so that's why I attended some of your classes mm. and needed I could see the response in your students and I could see how you put things together and I thought oh my god this is actually a really professional job. I just haven't seen anybody do it with that kind of expertise. So I was very impressed, as I think I've told you before. And so It was lucky timing, mate. If you'd have seen me at the beginning, it would have been, what the hell is this guy doing? Oh, it's, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. It was a disaster. When I was, persistence. You, you, uh, yeah, you when I was first better. brought in, it was to replace you in a class you were off for two weeks or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they said, you know, be very careful. You've got big shoes to fill. <laughs> and so I went up and I taught your class. Within a couple of days, your students came down to the office and said, don't like him. He's boring. It was hard to fill. And I thought, okay, well, I got to figure out how to do this and so on. Persistence, as you say. And that's when I attended your class. I thought, oh, now I understand. There's no way I would have competed with that. Yeah, but ask me to civil engineer a bridge <laughs> or something over the... <laughs> Over yeah. a river, yeah. Would, nobody would want to use that bridge, would they? Well, hey, Stefan, I, I have another question for you. Because well, I was just going to say, though, oh, go on. about yeah, your art, you have a very creative as well as a methodical way of doing things, and I suspect that comes across in your art, and that would explain in large part why it's desirable. Oh, that's very. I'll keep that bit in the podcast. <laughs> yes. All the stuff that's talking nicely about me, 
<laughs> we'll be sure to keep in there. <coughs> hey, Stefan, what is it that makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Wow. Yeah, good fortune. Yeah. The good fortune of my life after leaving family, getting away from that, I remember the moment when things took off. And it was in England. I was hitchhiking out toward Devon, Cornwall, and I came across the moors. And it was a beautiful sunny day. We stopped the car. I remember looking at this fabulous view of these hills, rolling hills with the heather and so on. Mm-hmm. And I just ran and ran and ran with the feeling. Like a puppy. Of, yes, just like <laughs> a puppy. <laughs> just elated with the freedom away from home in this beautiful country. Wow. Ah, awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, Stefan. Hey, what? What is, moving on with the, the positivity, mm. what is one success strategy or a habit or a tip? Mm. I know we can't boil our life down to tips. And whatever we tell people. Yeah. Um, if yeah. We, I've been listening to Naval Ravikant and if we, he's talking about prescriptions. And if I'm reading a book that tells me how Elon Musk got rich or right. whatever, yeah. any businessman, Steve Jobs, how Steve Jobs come up with the iPhone or something. Yes. I could read those, but I if I do everything that person right. says, I will not achieve their success. If I, no matter how much I listen to Roger Federer tell me how <laughs> to swing a tennis racket, it's always going into the net or on the roof of the building adjacent. It's just going to happen. So if it, following the prescription mm. is not going to get us somewhere. And the rules, let's say, are, are there maybe not to help us. And even if we follow them, my point is don't follow the prescription expecting that you're mm. going to get the same result because you're Precisely. likely not to. There's something otherworldly that is part of it as well. What would be a tip or a habit or a success strategy that you could share with us that somebody may follow to begin to take more control of their life? Okay. I'm not one to try to give advice to others, but for my own sake, just two things. Okay, so look at myself and appreciate what things I can do and what things I probably can't. And the second one is the one we mentioned, persistence. You only need to try one more time than the number of failures. And met lots of people who just got there by persistence. So valuing what I have, not being sad about what I don't have, and persistence, just be prepared to fail Lots of times before you get to the right answer for yourself. You try until. You try until. And perhaps you've wisely pointed out, don't necessarily follow the prescription of other people. That worked for them. But you will write your own prescription. You will find things along the way that strike you and perhaps in ways that they wouldn't strike anyone else. But they work for you. And you will, in time see their fruits, and you become the individual that you are. Hey, Stefan, we've come to the last question. It's my favorite question. And it is, what did your childhood smell like? Now, I'm a little bit worried about the answer for this because I don't want to lead you down further violent paths. Okay. But, of course, it's your childhood, and it's the smell that you remember. What does your childhood smell like? Burning leaves in autumn. Wow, that's a pretty cool picture. Strong memory. And we why does that come to mind? Was that a because thing in the thing. community yes, or in your was. back garden? Or? Everywhere, every home along the way. We had big oak trees, 
and uh, maples and so on. And so the leaves would fall. You have to gather them up, which is my job. You gather yeah. them in a pile. And then it was legal to put them out on the side of the street where they're unlikely to spread the fire to anyone else. <laughs> and then we jump them and spread them about there and you got to get them back together and then you burn them. And that smell is unique. See, back yes. there, look at that smile. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it's, so if that answers your question. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. <laughs> your childhood smell, very natural and it bring, paints a nice picture, for want of a better phrase. Well said. Of life in Canada at that time, I mm. imagine. Stefan, we're at the end. Thank you so much. It's been enlightening. It's been a lovely journey through difficult times in Canada to backpack in with a suitcase and nylon clothes, as you said, riding stolen bikes, selling them to policemen, mm. traveling around the world, having challenges and being grateful. I think fundamentally the things that came out of that were deep gratitude for the experiences totally. and the skills you have and a a non-worry or desire to change the things that you don't have or you can't do, right? Coming to terms with those things and e being equally grateful for them and all the experiences, being a conduit for the universe to bring forth the artwork that you produce and the good things that you do and the experiences you have. There's one more that I should go on mention. In. Yeah, sure. Go on, Steve. Steve Jobs, one more thing. Yes. <laughs> I'm married to an angel. Oh. I cannot overemphasize how wonderful she and I get along and how much of a pleasure she is in my life. It's It has made all the difference. The view I talk about, the daily life, none of it would be nearly as uplifting or as happy were it not for her mm -hmm. in my life. So I'll edit that bit to the beginning as well, so she only has to listen to a couple yeah. of minutes <laughs> to get the benefit. <laughs> Stefan, okay. thank you so much for your time. That thank was amazing. You. I'm sure people are going to get a lot of enjoyment and benefit out of it. Bye. Thank you.